Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Okay. Welcome to the Bridge this morning. It is so packed in here. We even have a cricket in attendance with us. Have you guys noticed that yet? We have a cricket. So I just wanted to acknowledge that we are, we are going crazy with this thing. It's not just humans anymore. We have crickets who want to come to what's happening here at the bridge. So uh, if my preaching hits a lull, uh, that was not a practical joke by Pastor Riley. That just is a natural coincidence. So kids in the room, if you are here, uh, Pastor Monica back there, she's in the back. Uh, she's going to take you back there. Parents, if you didn't get a chance to check in any kids that you want to send back there, you can go back there with them. They'll kind of get everything squared away. But it is so fun to see this place just absolutely packed. As Riley said, it has been a fun weekend here at the bridge. And uh, the best part is we've saved the best for last. The best part about this whole weekend is upon us, and we are just glad uh, that you are here. So uh, one highlight of yesterday that I wanted to share, because uh, it was kind of something that I'll probably remember for a while here. Uh, If you're not familiar with how we run our egg hunt, we have all of the eggs in here. We convert this whole sanctuary into a big area for egg hunting to happen. Uh, But down the hall, we have a special prize room. And so if kids find special golden eggs, they get to go to the prize room and take something home. So I remember... uh, at one point yesterday, I peeked my head out the door, and all I saw was one of those big, like, carnival teddy bears. When I'm talking about the ones that are, like, this tall, like, just moving on its own. There was a kid about this tall behind it, moving it as he went up the hallway. And I was like, that is awesome. That wasn't far long after that that uh, there was a little girl who had got to take a bike home from the prize room. And so she biked in here, and, like, little streamers were going everywhere. And I was like, that is awesome, because she had the biggest smile on her face. And that's why we do what we do. It's not so that the Easter egg hunt takes away from the power of Sunday. We just love seeing kids happy and we love seeing memories being made. But as Pastor Riley said, today is where everything comes into culmination. This is the best day of the weekend. And for me personally, this is one of my favorite days of the entire year. Not just because tomorrow Reese's eggs go half price, Not sure if you guys knew that or not. You can leave the jelly beans and the peeps there because they'll just recycle them for next year. They're good for like the next 10 years. So you don't have to worry about buying those up, but make sure to scoop up the Reese's eggs because they will be half price tomorrow and they're awesome. I don't just love Easter because we get to eat great meals and pie. I don't just love Easter because we get to take family pictures in our Sunday best. All those things are great. But I love Easter. It's one of my favorite days of the entire year, not just because I'm a pastor, but because my life changed forever. Everything about my life changed 15 years ago to the day on an Easter Sunday. And I can't wait to tell you how and tell you why, but I want to start this morning by jumping right into the Bible, jumping into what the Bible says about Easter Sunday. Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. We're going to unpack this. I want to get everybody caught up because each and every single one of these words in here is very, very intentional. It says on the first day of the week, this was written to a Jewish audience in the nation of Israel. 
So what that means is that for them, the first day of the week was a Sunday. For a lot of us, it kind of feels like Monday is kind of like that, that jumping into a new week. Sunday's where you get to like catch up and hang out in the garage, but Monday's like the first day of the week. For them, Sunday was the first day of the week. So when it says the first day of the week, we know it was a Sunday. And from the context, we know that a few days prior was when Jesus died. Luke chapter 23 tells us that on that good Friday, Jesus had died. So this is just mere days after Jesus had died. And it says it was very early in the morning. This is the kind of early in the morning where you like wake up and it is pitch black outside still. The kind of early in the morning where you look at your alarm and you go, why are we up right now? No good thing other than duck hunting should happen before the sun comes up. I'm just going to say that. All right, it's too early, but we know that the disciples, I'm sorry, not the disciples, but Mary and a few of her women friends were up very early in the morning. Why is that significant? Because the day before Saturday was what we call the Sabbath. And in Israel, in Jewish culture, the Sabbath was something that you honored every single week. You weren't allowed to do anything any work, no physical labor, no fixing of things. You were not allowed to do anything other than just be with family and rest and appreciate God. It was literally like the best concoction to watch the masters all day long. All you had to do was just sit there and just do nothing and just rest and recharge. It was awesome. But the thing is, all jokes aside, the Sabbath in this time was serious. If you violated the Sabbath, you were in big trouble. And so the women had to wait to do anything because on Friday, we know that Jesus died. And because the Sabbath was coming, they kind of hurried up. They they got him down from the cross. cross, They they wrapped him in linen cloths. They put him in the tomb really quick because the Sabbath was coming, but they couldn't do anything beyond that. So we know that in this text, in this first verse, it says they, they got up on Sunday morning very early in the morning, and they had spices. What's the snippets of the spices? Are they making omelets at the tomb? What's happening? Spices were used to embalm bodies. To make it relevant to our context and our culture right now, this was the equivalent of them taking flowers to a grave site just to pay respect and honor to the deceased. So here they were, these women. They were up early on Sunday morning. They knew Friday night they had put their good friend, Jesus, to rest in the tomb. And as they make the long walk to the tomb, we know that they were carrying spices to take care of the deceased. They were ready to just be there and be present with their dear lost friend named Jesus. But what they didn't know is there was a surprise waiting for them when they got there. Luke chapter 24, verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Here they are. They're up early. They're, they're, they're getting ready. They're going. They, they kind of have this long, somber walk to the tomb, expecting Jesus' body to be exactly where they left it. It's a pretty reasonable and logical thing to assume. Yet as they get to the tomb, what was supposed to be a huge rock in front of the doorway so that nobody could get in and disturb the bodies, what they found was this rock was rolled to the side. 
A rock so big that it would have taken every single woman and a few extra men to push it aside. So surprised, intrigued, they walk into this tomb and it was empty. Jesus' cloths that were, he was wrapped up in were nicely folded and set down where he laid to rest. And they have all these questions rolling through their head. When, Luke chapter 24, verse 4, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. These women expecting Jesus, his deceased body to be laying there wasn't he walked they walked into the tomb they're having these questions what how did this happen where did he go what is going on with that two angels come into the tomb and they're so they're radiating light so they fall with their face to the ground and here's my favorite part of the entire story the angels the men said to them why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here he has risen what they expected was entirely different than what they got. As I was like pouring over this last night, going through this one more time, looking over my notes, I kind of just chuckled to myself because I had this recollection of something that happened uh, to my wife and I a few weeks ago. Uh, if you don't know my wife, Meg, she was standing right here. She's beautiful. She's amazing. I love her so much. And one of the crazy and awesome parts about her is she's really, really snoopy. First Christmas we had together, I was like, oh, yes, all right, I'm going like, to get her the best gifts, I have some really good ideas, so I spend all day kind of shopping, getting everything, and so I kind of come home, and I tell her, hey, uh, I got your Christmas presents, I'm going to put them in the spare closet in the spare bedroom, uh, just please don't look at them, okay? And she goes, okay. So I come home the next day, and Meg has this grin on her face, and I'm like, you looked at him, didn't you? And she goes, you've got good gifts. <laughs> She's so snoopy. But the thing is, I love it about her. She's super awesome. But I have for so long want to surprise her with something, but she always sniffs it out because she knows exactly what questions to ask. And I'm a terrible liar. Who would have thought as a pastor, right? But I can't ever surprise her. But this year I was like, oh, yes, this is the year I'm going to get her. I am going to surprise her real good. So her birthday was coming up and I was like, all right, I'm going to arrange a get together with friends. It's going to be great. And so I kind of got all that like lined up. The friends were on board. They were, they were running with it. That was great. So to come up with an alibi. And I was like, all right, hey, babe, we're going to go and get uh, dinner with some other friends of ours. And she goes, okay, hey, great. Sounds good. Didn't think anything of it, but we we're going to rendezvous here at County Market in St. Francis. But as we got into my truck and started driving, I realized she's going to sniff this out because uh, she knows that we're going to Anoka for my Santee and we're going through St. Francis. So that doesn't make any sense. So I kind of panicked in the moment. I was like, Oh, babe, I got to pee really bad. Didn't expect to hear the pastor say pee on Easter Sunday, did you? But here I am. I was like, all right, babe, I got to pee. Oh, man, we got to go back. I was like, I'm just going to swing through County Market really quick so I can hit the bathroom, and then we'll keep on trucking. She goes, okay, sounds good. We're driving along, and I'm thinking, sweet, she bought it. And then we keep on going. So we pull into the parking lot. And I see the car with her friends that they were going to rendezvous with. And so we pull up next to them. And as soon as we pull up, we roll the windows down. Her friends are like, ah, come on, you're coming with us. 
And Meg's like, no, we got, we're, we're going out to dinner with friends. And her friends are like, no, no, like you're, you're coming with us. And she goes, no, no, we're just here because Derek's got to pee. <laughs> and I'm like, no, babe, I, I lied. And she goes, what? So we're not going out to dinner? And I said, no, this is not the reaction you're supposed to have. You're supposed to be like, oh, sweet. So I, I literally like, may kind of like open the door. And she's like, just kind of shutting it. Like, is this for real? Like, yes, this is for real. Go have fun with your friends. Go do your thing. And off they went. It was a great time. But I was thinking about that as I looked at my notes because I was putting myself into the perspective of these women. And I have to imagine that as they made that long walk from town to the tomb, they were expecting a really somber scene. They were expecting a tomb with Jesus laying inside of it. And they had tough work to do in taking care of his body. Yet when they got there, what they experienced was so outside of what they possibly thought was even possible that they're just standing there in disbelief when the angels say, he's not here, he has risen. For everyone in this room, I don't know what life looks like for you as you walked into our doors today. For some of you, this is your first time here at this church, and there's probably a lot of thoughts that are going through your head. Others of you, this is your, this is your home. This is where you've, you've been here, you've done that, and you're super excited for Easter Sunday and all that comes with it. But regardless of where you are at today, I think there are some people who are like the women in the story. You came to church expecting something specific, to get through the hour-long service so that you can get onto the pie and get onto the food and just go on with the rest of your day. But I truly believe that just like the women, God wants to do something cool in your life today, something you didn't quite expect, something that kind of surprises you to some degree. Because what those women experienced was not just significant for that moment. It was significant forever, for all eternity. Because what's so interesting about this whole experience at the tomb is for so long I anticipated, okay, Jesus comes back to life. That's a crazy concept to wrap my head around. But in my logic, I thought, okay, so he can't, comes back to life. He's fully God, fully man, so he must have just taken this really big rock and pushed it aside and walked out the front door. Yet when I look at John chapter 20, and I look at what the scholars and the people who are really smart say, it kind of changed my perspective because in John chapter 20, it says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, the women were there in the morning, this is now later that day, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That's a terrifying thing. You're just sitting there locked behind doors and all of a sudden Jesus is there. What a cool thing, but what a, what a crazy thing all at the same time. But I look at this text and I realize, okay, Jesus resurrected can defy physics and defy logic. So if he can just appear in the room with the doors locked, what's with the, the stone rolled away? What's with the rock? And as I looked at the, what the scholars said and I looked at people who are way smarter than I am, I saw something that will forever change me. They said the reason the stone was rolled away 
was so that people could walk in and see for themselves that Jesus was indeed risen. The stone rolled away was not for Jesus. It was for us. It was for us to be welcome to say, come and look for yourself. Come experience for yourself that I am indeed risen. Yeah, you can hear that I raised. You can, you can hear the rumors. You can hear, oh, that's cool for you, but I don't quite see it. I don't quite believe it. But you know what? Come in and see for yourself. You saw me go in there. You saw me lay down. But now I'm not there anymore because I am risen. The truth of the matter is this. Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be close to you. That's why he did what he did. Romans chapter 3 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. And sin is sin. Murder is a sin. Pretty obvious one. But so is fits of rage and anger. Cheating on your spouse. Yeah, that has issues, but so does looking at another person with lust. Envy, all these things. We don't have to get into it because I think there's plenty of churches that would love to just bash you over the head with, oh, you're sinful, you're the worst. But the matter of fact is that we all sin, no matter what. And Romans chapter 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. So I would talk about Friday because our sin is worthy of death. Eternal death. But here's why Easter is awesome. Here's why Easter is one of my favorite days of the year. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason we celebrate Easter, the reason you guys are all here and looking awesome, by the way, the reason that we are here is because at the foot of the cross, all ground is level. Regardless of how much mistakes we make and how sincere, and, or not sincere, how severe they are, we all have sin. And it's why Jesus went to the cross, so he could take our sin away. He could take away the things that are not good. But when he came back to life, it means that our sin can now stay forever away. It now means that our sin is covered. It, 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 it's the debt has been paid and we can live life and life to the full. Sunday, the women showed up to the tomb with grief and sadness and hopelessness. And they walked away running in hope and joy because Jesus is alive. He's alive which means a whole lot more than our friend is back. It means that we can now live the life that we're meant to live. We can live a life that Jesus has for us. Jesus in Revelation chapter one says this, I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys of death and hell. Because on Friday, I took the sin of the world your sin, my sin, big sin, little sin. I took it down to the depths of hell and I left it there. And when I came back to life, it was proof that the debt has been paid. Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the receipt for the payment made on Friday. It's proof that we can live a life that Jesus has called us to live. 
I've been pastoring in St. Francis for six years. Five years of that as a youth pastor, not as cool as Riley. Apparently, I lie a lot more than he did. But this last year, I've also been privileged and honored to be your lead pastor. And I have to tell you, as I drive through town on 47, as I drive through the neighborhoods on my way home, as I walk into the schools and get to high-five so many amazing teenagers, as I walk onto the track and get to tell kids to run faster while I sit there sipping my water, the more and more I just am in our community, the more and more I'm aware that we have some truly special and amazing people in this place. Some great, great individuals who believe in God, they do. They come to church, they're great people. But even this week, as I drove through town, just processing this weekend, praying it through, I couldn't help but just feel there are some people who believe. They're not alive yet. They believe in God. They believe that Jesus is probably real. But they haven't made it personal. They haven't experienced this joy that the women had when they ran from the tomb with excitement. They believe, but they're not yet quite made alive. At least it doesn't feel like they feel like they're alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. If you spend any amount of time here at the Bridge Church, you will quickly find out that our mission statement is to see people come alive in Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to be made alive in Christ? It sounds really cool, but what does it mean? I found out last service that I need a bigger bucket for this, so some of you are going to be like, oh, he's getting water on the carpet. It's okay. We have insurance. But in all sincerity, here's what I really feel happens in life. There is an innate desire within each and every one of us to make our life count. This bucket that I have right here symbolizes us right now. And I don't know when, but I am pretty confident at some point in every single person's life in this room, you've had this desire to make your life mean something. You want your life to be fulfilled. You want your life to be full of purpose. You want to wake up in the morning and know that what you do, the life that you live, makes a difference. You want to wake up and just feel the hope and the joy and the happiness that comes with living. You don't want to wake up and feel this stress, feel this weight, feel this stuff that comes with life. You just want to be happy, fulfilled, as if this cup could just be overflowing with good things. You wake up knowing, I just wish I could just be secure. I wish I could just wake up and just know every single thing is going to work out somehow, some way, no matter how bleak it gets. The problem is, in our life, there are things that will rob us of that life. Sometimes it's sin. Choices we make intentionally or unintentionally that are heavy. Sometimes it's just heavy things on our heart, but regardless, what happens is 
it feels like good things come into our life, but because life is scary and broken, it just feels like as soon as the good goes in, it goes right back out. We want to be full. We want our cup to be overflowing. We want all the good things in life. So, But yet, in our brokenness, in the things that don't quite go our way, it just feels like time after time, it quickly, all the life just gets sucked right back out of us. So the logical explanation is like, maybe we just need more water. I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to chase more money. I'm going to grab the bottle and take the pain away. I'm going to look to this relationship to give me fulfillment. We try and just dump more, 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 more water in. But the reality is the more water we dump in, the faster it goes out. Because at the core, there are still things a part of our life that are broken. So we want so desperately to be full, but we can't be. Because there's just something Missing. What does it mean to come alive in Christ? Let me show you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's not going to be on the screen, but it says this. For the old is gone and the new is here. Thanks to Jesus, the old broken life that comes with it has been taken care of. And when we trust in him and we believe in him, we're giving something new. So the thing is, even if there's not a whole lot of good life coming and life is just going crazy, the thing with you, when you believe in Jesus, even if there's a little bit of life, it stays in the bucket. It's not about getting more. It's about now the good things stay. And now, the more things that come, the more that happens. The only way water is getting out of this bucket is if it overflows overflows of good things. What does it mean to come alive in Christ? It doesn't mean that life is perfect. It doesn't mean that life is seamless and easy. What it means is that the very things that are taking the the life, the joy, the fulfillment out of your life are replaced with something that's tangible and permanent and good. That is the message of Easter. So I'm going to invite our worship team up here this morning. Because I don't know about you guys, but that's something to celebrate. That's something to celebrate. The fact that it's not about me being better. It's not about me trying to earn my life. It's not trying to me just to, to cover as many holes as I can, try and just keep the bad things from happening and doing everything I can just to feel something, to feel good, to feel life. It's not about trying to do all these things by more effort because no amount of money, no amount of relationship, no amount of anything you can find on this planet will ever satisfy exactly what you're looking for. It might for a moment. But when the dust settles and everything else comes to the wayside, the reality is that you will just find your bucket empty with more holes in it than there were before. No matter what you do. I can speak from experience. I can speak from gentlemen and women that have went before me. That when I sit down with them at 75 years old, 80 years old, I say, what would you tell me in my life? It's a good piece of advice. And these people look at me and they say, it's not about being good enough. It's about being present. Be present in life. These Christian men and women I know, 
They'll tell me about all the stuff they went through and all the stuff they walked through, the losses, the discouragements, the tough obstacles. Just because they love God didn't mean their life got easier. What they tell me is that thanks to the new bucket, sometimes it felt like that water was flowing out, but it was caught and held by Jesus. Everything was held together in his name. I told you this is my favorite day of the year. Because it's an emotional one for me. A lot of people will come to church if you don't know me, if you never met me. It's one of those things where you probably just kind of expect that this is kind of what I was meant to do for the rest of my life. This is what I had planned. Quite honestly, at this time in my life, I anticipated to be scraping teeth right now. That was my plan. I have an amazing family of dentists. That's what I was going to do. Went to school. Killed it, by the way. Go Bison. But years before that, I didn't know God was slowly changing the trajectory of my life. Because at 13 years old, Two days before Christmas, December 23rd, got a knock on the door. Two police officers were standing on my front step. What I didn't know is that a few hours later, my mom was going to be in handcuffs going out the front door. My dad came home from work. My aunt and uncle came over. And I realized something's going down that's not good. Found out that there were some legal issues with my mom. And it was going to result in her spending some time away from the family in jail. As a 13-year-old kid, I remember going, what just happened? Not that my family was perfect, but this was far outside the realm of anything I thought possible. I had so many questions which only got worse because two days later, as I walked into school, everybody was looking at me. All of my teammates, all my basketball teammates came up to me and said, what's happening? I was like, what do you mean? They go, we saw your mom's picture on the front of the newspaper. Her mugshot was front and center on the Sartell newspaper. I said, all these questions coming to me like, what, what happened? How did this happen? Are you okay? What's going on? And I had no answers for them. I remember very, 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 very vividly the next six months of my life, my mom going from courtroom to courtroom, getting her sentences. I remember one day coming home from school, having a good day at school, only to remember, oh yeah, mom's not home. And instead, there was a computer set up so I could FaceTime her in or Zoom at the time. There was my mom in her jail garb talking to her. It was like a reminder in that moment of just how much I missed my mom. It was a reminder that my family is ripped in half. And at that time, my family was everything. I remember going to school the next day that I didn't want to be around my friends because they had questions and they tried to support me, but an eighth grade boy is not capable of being there for another eighth grade boy in the way that he needs to be. I remember waking up every single morning going, I used to be a happy kid. I used to be a joyful kid. But now I wake up going, this just stinks. 
I woke up every morning instead of ready to conquer that I, I woke up going, is life ever going to feel the same again? Is it ever going to feel good again? Because right now there is no good that makes any of this pain go away. And I remember that season of my life so clear because I remember how hopeless it was and how much I hated that this was my reality. But six months later, now 14 years old, my mom kept trying to drag me to church and I'd always fake sleep because church was the worst. She'd come in, knock on my door, you know, because I didn't want to go to church. Until finally one day, I decided to go. I walked in, the pastor knew my name, which I thought was pretty cool. Said hi to me. Did some okay music. Decent message, wasn't too boring. I came back the next week. I came back the next week. I came back the next week. And on Easter, at 14 years old, I remember the pastor got up, he shared his message talked about the sacrifice, the pain, the gravity of the cross. But then he wrecked me when he said, and here's the reason why. is because you aren't good enough to earn it on your own. You aren't good enough to be worthy of heaven. But thanks to what Jesus did for you, you don't have to be good enough. You just have to believe in him. You just have to trust in him. And with tears in his eyes, the pastor got up and I could just tell that this relationship, this connection that he had with Jesus was not just a belief. It was not just religion. It was not just lip service. It was something that impacted him deeply. And in that moment, I said, I don't get why, I don't get how, I don't even know where to go from here. But all I know is that I want what he's got. I want that hope. I want that connection. I want that personal relationship with God now. And what he told me, what he preached, the same thing I'm going to preach to you on this Easter on 2023. The hope that you are looking for, the strength that you are looking for, the life that is getting sucked out of your bucket can be returned to you if you will trust and believe that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I don't know what you walked into this room with. I don't know what's waiting as you walk back out the door. I can encourage you there is hope to be found through Jesus this week is Tuesday night I laid in bed like a baby just kind of crying with tears in my eyes because I realized every single thing about my life that I love this wonderful woman behind me that is my rock the two little bundles of joy down the hall. The ability to pastor a church that I love, people that I get to meet that I just absolutely love. 
and the joy and the hope and the strength that I have amidst the most difficult things, amidst loss, amidst anxiety, amidst depression, amidst all of life's most tough struggles, no matter what comes my way, there's always something in the back of my mind knowing it's going to work out. It's going to have its way. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I have just a glimmer of something to hold on to because I know God's going to work it out. It all is a result of what happened on that Easter 15 years ago. And it was all a result of understanding. It's not about being good enough. It's not about just trying to figure everything out on your own. It's about understanding that Jesus did what he did for you and for me so that we can experience that life. That's what Easter is about. That's why we get so excited. That's why we celebrate because it's available to all. The reason the tomb was open, the reason the stone was rolled away is because it's not about being good enough to walk in. It's about being willing and able to walk in. You can know Jesus. I don't care what you did. I don't care what it looked like, but you can know Jesus and walk out of this place renewed and filled with hope if you will just believe. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have questions. There are going to be things that you go, how in the world is that true? That's okay. But if you trust and believe, you will come alive in Jesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that you can walk out of this place knowing God, loving God. You can walk into your situation knowing he's with you because of the grace he gives you. That is why Easter is important. Because he is risen, he is alive, which means he's alive and he's active right now, working on your behalf, speaking into your marriage, speaking into your mental health, speaking into your loss, speaking into the sins that take you away from him. If you will just believe in him, he will fill you up, overflowing. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, None of us are good enough. We can try, we can try, we can try, we can grit our teeth, we can do everything in our power to try and be good enough. But we don't need to be because you made it good enough when you paid the price with your life. And the way we can accept you, the way we can know you, the way we can find life after death to know that when we pass on from this earth, when we come to the end of our life, to know that we're going to heaven is not a matter of good versus bad. It's a matter of do we believe in you and trust in you? And thanks to what you did for us, Jesus, if we believe in you, that's enough. So as an act of faith, everyone's eyes are closed, everyone's heads are bowed, the lights are down. This is purely between you and God. If you go, you know what, God? Maybe I've been a little bit farther away from you. Maybe I haven't believed in you. 
Maybe I believe, but I want to come alive. As an act of faith, I'm not going to call anybody up. I'm not going to call anybody out. Between you and God, if you want to come alive in Christ today, the invitation is yours. But you have to accept it. You have to acknowledge it. So if that's you with eyes closed, heads bowed, lights down, you just flip your hand up and down. I want to pray with you. If you want to come alive in Christ today, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. There's so many hands in this room. And just because I see it is cool, but the reality is that God sees it. He sees you acknowledging that. So Jesus, I thank you that you are risen. I thank you, Jesus, that because of the sacrifice you made, because of the the, the debt you paid, Jesus, we can walk out of this place. We might walk into the same situation. We might walk into the same stuff, but we're going to walk into it differently because we know that you are with us. You are behind us. You are for us. You are never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. Jesus, you are alive. You are risen. We don't have to look for the living among the dead because you are alive. So Jesus, today, I pray that we would walk out of this place with a pep in our step knowing that whatever comes our way, we're not gonna be overtaken because of what you did. Jesus, I thank you for what you did. May we walk out of this place singing your praises, acknowledging that you are risen. And because of that, so can we. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray amen can we stand up and give god some praise this morning this has been a podcast of the bridge church have a great week stop in sunday sometime and visit if you would like to give you can do so online at sfbridge.org have a great week